Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to have you all here. If you're new to this show, I used to be on a different station for about 15 years and recently moved the show to the Variety Channel on Voice America Radio. So happy to be here. And that wonderful voice, the gentleman with the intro, so smooth, who says, oh, the lips and talk. That's Ryan Treasure, Vice President of Operations and my good friend and tech partner. So today I'm going to, as usual, talk to a couple of creatives. You can, well, I'm on Zoom and I can see my wonderful guests, but my logo is Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And I'm always interested in how people become creative, how they acknowledge their creativity. How does it get applied to their life? What does it mean? Creative isn't just one day I'll put bananas in my milkshake and another I'll put blueberries and I'm creative with my milk. That's very exciting. We're talking people who think inside the box and burst out and think outside the box. They live interesting, extraordinary lives. They write books. They create music. They speak. They have something to say that has changed the world and hopefully for the better. And I have two people who have done exactly that today. Let me give you a quick overview of my two wonderful. I only have wonderful guests. I'll just admit it. I get the best people on the show. So first up in a few minutes, I'll be introducing you to Deb Colometta. She spells her last name C-O-L-A-M-E-T-A. She found a formula for decluttering and financial success. What a wonderful concept together. Get rid of stuff and make money by leveraging the power of online yard sales. Her book, number one bestseller, Best Offer, Best Life, exclamation point, uses entertaining stories to motivate people to sell their household excess through social media. She has a podcast called Upcycling with Deb, and she even created a word for her own webinars, Devinars. If that isn't creative, I don't know what is. So Deb is with us today. And then also joining us is my second guest. He is Dave Rogers. Dave Rogers. Well, I, I think if I just had Dave on, we would be hearing his life story for the whole hour. So Dave, we're going to have to compress it a little bit. Dave is a serial investorpreneur, brand new word to me. And I know a lot of words, Dave, a mastermind facilitator, a speaker, an author, and an uber creative person, nothing to do with the car company. He has invested in more than 50 companies. He shares real life experiences. He loves humor, wisdom, and alternative perspectives. He leads workshops, leads workshops, keynotes, masterminds, and consulting services. He is the author of Awesome Coaching, Rev Up Your Coaching Business, and the co-author of the book we're talking about today, Entrepreneur X Factor, Six Dimensions of Top Achievers. And we're going to talk about that. So creativity is just bubbling up with both of my guests. Let me do my normal intro before you hear from them. First of all, it is July 20th. And let's see, that is the 201st day of the Gregorian calendar. We always say thank you to Greg, Gregory, Gregor, whatever his mother called him. We want to thank him for the calendar. And it's a leap year, so it's the 202nd day of the year. Okay, here's the big warning. I give this to every week and I mean it. It's 164 days left to the end of 2020. I'm sure most of you like me can't wait for this year to be over and for life to get back to something. I don't even call it the new normal. I call it the new abnormal or what the heck. But anyway, if you want to get something special for New Year's Eve from the liquor store or somewhere, 
order it now because the run is going to be on 164 days. Can't come soon enough if you want something special. It's going to be gone soon. So get there and get something in the fridge or in the cooler or whatever. Uh, birthdays today. Uh, let's see. All of my birth- special birthdays today, they're all living. I'm trying to do that. So 1947, everybody say happy birthday together. My guests join me in happy birthday to Carlos Santana. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Carlos Santana. <laughs> my band, my Latin music band, Red's Hot Mango, plays a couple of Santana songs. And I, I'm the drummer and I love I'm the chick drummer. But speaking of drummers, Paul Cook, born in 1956, English drummer. Cool G Rap, American hip hop artist, born in 68. I just liked his name. I have no idea who he is. Sandra O, oh, Canadian actress, born today. Vitamin C, an American singer song. I just love the way they make up names these days. <laughs> What's your mother going to put in the birth certificate? Well, we'll call you a vitamin E or vitamin D. You know, whatever, whatever rocks the parents that day. Omar Epps, very talented American actor. Judy Greer, born today. Giselle Bunchen. Beautiful Brazilian model, fashionista and business model, businesswoman. Julianne Huff. Everybody remembers her from Dancing with the Stars. She and her brother took the show by storm. She's now a movie star. She's still a dancer, a singer, songwriter. These people have no bounds on how they express their creativity once they get in, in the world. Now, July 20th in history. Everybody take note. July 20th, 1921 was the day Congresswoman Alice Mary Robertson became the first woman to preside over the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. No, we're not talking politics. 1950 in this day, Arthur Murray Party premiered on ABC TV, later went on to Dumont, CBS, and NBC. I'm a dancer and a former ballroom dance teacher, disco as well. And I took lessons from one point, one lesson in an Arthur Murray studio, and my dance partner for many years on the West Coast was an Arthur Murray instructor who became a good friend. So happy birthday to the Arthur Murray dance party. I don't think anybody young even knows what that is. Hank Aaron, this day in 1976, Hank Aaron hit his 755th and last home run off of the Angels' Dick Drago. In 1837, Euston Railway Station opened in London as the terminus of the London and Birmingham Railway, the city's first intercity railway station. And one more, today is National Moon Day in honor of the historic Apollo 11 moon landing on this day in 1969. I've talked enough. Let's get on. Shout out to LLL, lovely Laura Lanky. Lanky Laura Legs, lovely Laura, our most loyal listener who has a lot of L's in her name, and we love that, from New York. We have to give you a, We have, you have to move to London, Laura. So it could be lovely Lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in London. I think that'll work. Deb, say hello. Hello. Thanks for having me, Red. Thank you. And Dave Rogers, say hello. Hello, Red. Great to be with you. There you go. And shout out to Bruce Outridge, good friend of ours mutually, who introduced me to Dave. And I met Deb at the Virtual National Publicity Summit. So let's get started. Deb Colometta, please introduce yourself. Take about two, three minutes and tell us what is your book all about, Best Offer, Best Life, and, and why did you write it? I had a problem that I think a lot of families and individuals in the U.S. face. We had a house that was a good, good sized, you know, good sized beginning house. And we were feeling that we were getting overcrowded with our stuff. As our family was growing, we just felt like the stuff kept coming in. And we try to even be good about what we buy. And still, we just felt like we were drowning in our stuff. So we started poking around in the local real estate market. And we were not finding houses that were anywhere near our budget. Or if we did, um, they were only giving us a little bit more living space. So instead, 
instead of getting frustrated, we just went home and decided to think about what are some creative ways we can make our house feel more like the open houses that we were visiting. How can we find a new way to outsmart the system? And we figured while we're waiting for the real estate market to cool off, which it never did, um, how can we solve this problem? So we started purging our things, which led to a big pile of working items that we just couldn't throw away. And some of the things couldn't be donated because maybe they had too many parts or too fragile. And I was introduced to the world of online yard sales. So we sold a ton of our stuff. And by emptying out half of our house, it feels twice as big. And we're still in the same house today. We've built up a lot of equity. And um, I started giving advice to friends. And they said, why don't you write a book? And I thought, oh, I've never written a book before, but let me give it a try. And it was a great experience. It was uh, 10 times more work than I thought, but such a gratifying experience. It went to number one in its category on Amazon. And I love doing workshops and online classes and my podcasts, trying to teach people how they can do this too. So necessity for your family became the mother of the book, the business, the lecturing, the presentations, helping people. And I want to pick up a word. We haven't talked to Dave yet, but I know in Dave's book, he talks about entrepreneurs need to have the why. Keep drilling down. What is your why? What is your purpose? If everything failed, what would be the why that would get you to still want to do that? And Dave is nodding and we'll talk about that in a second. So Deb, what was your why? Was it helping people? Was it understanding that you had a method that maybe other people didn't know and you want to make their life easier? What was that why? Can you boil it down? We've all had that feeling after a holiday or a birthday where we have a lot of gifts coming into the house where you just, you know, or you're cleaning out your basement and you think, oh my gosh, I've got so much stuff. And it's a terrible feeling. It really is. And I want to empower people to know that you can have control of your stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff right now that's out of our control, but our things is that's something we can control. So I feel really good about going out there and teaching people how to use these platforms to recycle and free cycle. It protects the environment. It puts cash in your pocket and it keeps you from feeling like you are, your stuff is out of control and it's controlling your life. I'm not going to make any financial decisions, especially not buying a house based on the fact that we feel like we've got too much stuff and that's why we need to move. There's many reasons why you can move. And, and that's, that's totally fine. It's not the goal isn't to not move, but I'm not going to let the driving factor be my stuff. And I love teaching other people that they can embrace this too. I'm giving people permission to appreciate where they are. Thank you. I love the story, Deb. I love the attitude in your story. And attitude is another word of a case study in Dave's book. Dave Rogers, I've made you wait long enough. You've heard Deb's story. Why don't you tell us yours? Who are you? What do you do? And how did you get started? Go ahead, Dave. First of all, Red, thank you very much. And Deb, I love your story. And if I can uh, share your story around the world, I think it's a beautiful story also. The idea of decluttering is just so important. I started my journey in Toronto, Canada. And as a young guy, I wanted to be rich. And it's at this time, it was uh, that Japan was the financial superpower. So I got the opportunity through some creativity to get an internship to Japan. And so I went to Japan and really focused on the left side of the brain, which was money and finance and, and actually hit some major targets at a very young age. At 27, I had hit most of my targets. Yet guess what? I also hit rock bottom. 
I found out that money wasn't going to bring happiness. In fact, I had depression and insomnia and even was close to suicide, even though from the outside, everyone thought I had a great life. I went through and that's when I started to be a student of, of personal development and traveled around the world to be able to go work with people and then started a transition that was really about making a difference. I had the chance to move from Hong Kong, to, from Japan to Hong Kong, and then to Singapore, still in the finance industry, yet had a pivot change in the year 2000, when I became committed to social entrepreneurship. And that was collaborating and working with entrepreneurs as the change agent on the planet. And that's also when I let go of a number of traumas in creativity, traumatized as a child with art, traumatized with music. I didn't touch any of that for almost 37 years. And even today, I practice now art. I've taken some doodling classes and allowing that to come out. If I show you my journal, it's got all these colors of creativity, creating new neurons in my brain. And now I'm even sharing that with seniors because I made the transition recently into elderly care, into the wonderful area of yoga and laughter yoga, looking for ways to bring more compassion, creativity, and curiosity into everything I do. <laughs> Dave, I, I love the way you use the word curiosity. And uh, we were chatting before the show started, before we went on air. And I said, I, I look at your life story and I think I haven't done anything yet. And I've, I've got a lot of history too. I have comments back to both of you and then we're going to get started. We're going to look at some of the highlights of Deb's book and of Dave's. And I'm going to flip back and forth so that we can keep the audience guessing. Where's she going next? Who are we going to talk about next? Because there's always, I, I never match guests. Okay. We have somebody who does online yard sales. I've got to get somebody who's in the sales business or selling or, or, recycling stories. I, I never would put two guests together. And I always find there's a thread. There's a thread somewhere in people's lives and it's there to be discovered. And it's there to be enjoyed. So we're going to find that. Well, they, right here, the obvious one is creativity. But Deb, I have to tell you that years ago, I was in between jobs. I never, I never sweated it when I was out of work for a couple of years. I had enough saved and my kids were fine. And I, I just never, it was never that big a deal because I knew I'd find something eventually and not too far in the, in the future. So um, I had a, a woman on the early version of this radio show was on WGBB Long Island, New York. I was a 6 p.m. drive time host from six to seven. It was Vanity Radio, Chinese radio network owned the station. And during the day, it was all Chinese language broadcast out of Flushing, New York. At six o'clock, it went to a bridge show called WGBB Tonight. I was brought in. I didn't get paid, but I got free airtime and I was starting to love radio. And then that show introduced the vanity shows who all paid for their time on the radio after that. So uh, I, I went to, uh, I, I found book fairs. I think I was at the National Publicity Summit. I met a woman named Lynn Drolly, D-R-A-L-L-E, who was called the Queen of eBay Auctions. And I was so impressed with her. She sent me her book and I spent one hour talking to her. After that, I said, well, I'm out of work. I need some money. What am I going to do? I went, I called my mom and, I, and my mom's an antique dealer and collects a lot of things, not always high end, but everyday stuff. She said, I have a couple things maybe you could start with. So I started with a little pitcher, a pouring pitcher. You would put, uh, let's say you put on the table at a summer picnic and you might put lemonade in it, or you might put a wine cooler in it. And it was, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. It was a well-known brand of uh, ceramic ware in Scandinavia. Okay. If you if you can think of the name, tell me. And I put it on eBay, and it had a picture of a cat. And I said, "This picture is the cutest meow 
on eBay right now. I went out of my way to make it a bold statement. And I had a bidding war over that damn thing. My mother had received it as a gift. I think I sold it for something like 75 bucks. <laughs> and then I started looking through wedding gifts that I didn't want oh, some horrible looking little hand towels of linen with this ugly mushroom applique on it. I hated them. They never were out of the box. Some woman in Boynton Beach, Florida paid 80 bucks for these little hand towels. And I said, wow, I'm on just so that's and then I ended up teaching. I walked into Great Neck Adult Ed one day and I said, I'm out of work. I need to do something. Uh, can I teach eBay? And they said, we just got rid of our eBay teacher. He wasn't doing a good job. The class is starting again in 10 days. Do you want to take it over? I said, what? I've never taught. I have no curriculum. He said, make something up. The class was it was six seats, computer lab, and it was sold out for ages. And it just went really well. So it was it was eBay selling and buying. I taught a combination. Anyway, that's my story. So Deb, I'm, I'm intrigued because I have never sold on Facebook and I don't know what an online yard sale is. So to, to be brief, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is, I know what a yard sale is. I know what a garage sale is. I know what a, a put it on your lawn sale is. We see it in the movies and TV all the time. And I shop at those. I used to in New York. I did a lot of helping people get rid of their clutter and, and it was mine. And I was proud of it because I got it for a bargain. So what is an online yard sale, Deb? Tell me. Well, it's funny you say you had not heard of the online yard sale. I had actually not sold anything on eBay. So I, I think in my selling history, I've sold exactly one item using mail order. So just maybe because of convenience or the fact that the, the one thing I sold, I ended up um, not making enough of a profit to make it worth my while. And with two little kids trying to get to the post office and mailing it, the shipping ate up most of my profit. So I feel that online yard sales are a lot more convenient in many ways. Now, eBay and the mail order things like Amazon or a national platform is awesome for the niche items or things that are smaller and higher in value. Um, and, you know, you can sell those to a wider audience. But I'm talking about the online yard sales, which includes an app for free that you might download to your phone, like Let Go or Offer Up or even Craigslist. I love Facebook Marketplace or the Facebook online yard sale groups. There is a difference. And a lot of people don't realize that there, there is a, a difference between the two. Facebook Marketplace is a, you're casting the net really wide. So you may sell throughout your whole state. You may post an item. And somebody from 50 miles away may respond to it, which is great. But it can be even more convenient for many reasons, which I can give you, to join a local online yard sale group. So like as if you were selling uh, or looking for a friend, you'd click on Facebook and start searching for the words your town name plus online yard sale or garage sale or tag sale. And you'd be surprised at the groups that come up and you click that and you join it as if it's a because it's a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And you may find that some of your friends or colleagues may already be in that group and you'll be thinking, uh, why didn't they tell me they were doing this? <laughs> because it's like the best kept secret. And you start posting your items. You may know people who were in the group. You may have mutual friends. So you may feel more comfortable giving them your address. You can do porch pickups in that case because you have some degree of connection to the person. It's not a um, totally a stranger. And that makes it convenient for you. You don't want anything to block the process. You want to get this outflow of stuff 
out of your house. And when you're trying to go through your basement, the, the longest you should take is about a minute to post, to take a few pictures, post it. It takes as long as, as if you were updating your social network on what you ate for lunch. It's super quick. And if people respond, great. If they don't, it doesn't cost you any money to get started. And, you know, something I was thinking of when you were talking, if you don't post it, you can't sell it. So that's the important thing that I try to encourage people to do is to just take some flattering pictures and get it posted, take action, and you'd be surprised you'll be well on your way. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Dave, I noticed you posted something in the chat here. Dave, tell me something. Have you ever bought anything online? Have you sold anything? What's your experience with what Deb is talking about? Dave Rogers? Absolutely. I love what Deb is, is sharing. And I think it's absolutely wonderful advice to people. It could start you on your entrepreneur journey, just allowing yourself to do a transaction. You have to start somewhere. And that's one of the reasons why many people don't start is they think they need to do a million dollar deal before they do a $2 deal. So go do a $2, a $10, a $20. And then you develop some confidence and you develop some fun. And if you can infuse it with some, some creativity, you make your, your little piece look even better with a box. You can just have so much opportunity to play the game. And this exchange is a, when I talk about play the game, we can play at different levels. We can play in our own local market. We can play in a, a city market and then we can play in a global market. I believe that that's something that's so exciting these days for home creators and people who can assist people. And so that's why I love the, the idea of playing in a team. Because when you have one or two people playing, it can even be more fun. We get to leverage. And that's one of the things that is the way you can build a business out of it. I, I love what you said. Thank you very much, Dave. Let, let me move to, to your book a little bit. Let's go back to that big three-letter word that's huge, W-H-Y, your why. And you say the first place to get started with getting your X factor, you need a damn big why. We were taught in school to say why, not why. Why? <laughs> why? Yes. Uh I heard a little earlier, it could be your big pourquoi. <laughs> pourquoi, right, pourquoi, and I say, pourquoi, why not, right? So Absolutely. Dave, what is the why? How do you drill down to the why? And I know you have you have four questions in your book, and I wrote them down, but I'd rather hear you talk to us. What is what is the why? How did you find yours? And and I wanted to thank you for being, I hate the word authentic, but you were when you said that you hit rock bottom when you were so successful, and people are saying, you got to be kidding me. He was 27. He was working around the world. He had money and everything he wanted. And he was depressed. What, what is my life like? Thank, thank you for sharing that because that makes it that real people have their rock bottom, don't they, Dave? Real people have their moments. And I think we're going through it. You can talk to that just a little bit and then go to the why. Go ahead, Dave. Well, absolutely. And, I, and the why is, is such a beautiful question because it allows one to have the resiliency to go through the difficult times. I'm a big student of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey or the shiro's journey. And whenever we go from the known to the unknown, we are facing some perils, some problems, and even going into the pit of depression. Yet if we have a higher why, and often that why is about who would you love to serve? And mm -hmm. so when you find who you're going to serve and you're able to assist with their journey, it often gets you out of the pit. And so that is something that I absolutely love. So when I got involved in social entrepreneurship, I had this belief that entrepreneurs are the change agents on the planet. They're the ones who bring creativity and they're able to disrupt and continue to evolve and change and pivot. And so that's the beauty of social entrepreneurship 
when it brings in other things than just profit. So we're about people, we're about planet, we're about being able to use and help people find their skills, their talents, their unique abilities. And when people are doing what they love to do, then you're absolutely right. There's no longer a job and you're just not over broke. You're absolutely doing it. You're waking up at 3.33 in the morning with an idea that gets you excited and you go to your book and you write it down and, and then you can go back to sleep. And then when you get up, you've got a whole new business opportunity that already has been planted and it's already blossoming like a, a beautiful new tomato plant or a new apple tree. And that's the beauty of nurturing and working in your why. Dave, is this something that's in some people's DNA or just everybody? That's that's one of the reasons I started. I renamed the show. It's, it's been read my lips for years, but cool conversations with creatives. What is that something? And Deb, I'll come to you after Dave answers, because I want to know what is it that that Deb woke up and said, somebody said I should write a book. Well, I have a message. I can help people. I, I can influence how they go about decluttering and, and making their house more for them and not for their stuff. And Dave, you have start. you have invested in so many businesses. You've done so much. You're now on a new, new quest, a new journey with the elder care. And the question is, is this something that anybody, can anybody become creative by listening to the two of you, for example, by reading a book? Or is it, is it people are just some people just not born with a creative gene? Dave, what do you think? I believe absolutely everybody is red. You as a, a drummer, you can play the drums and you can practice it for yourself. And then when you, one of your friends come over and you start a duet, there's a shift in the vibration. And then another person comes in and they join and then you got a trio going. And then someone who says they got no music talent, yet you invite them and they play the tambourine or they just kind of just go, mm-hmm. and there's a whole new rhythm. There's a whole new vitality. There's a whole new essence. You allow the music to be healing. You allow music to be flowing. And that, my dear friend, is what creativity is about. You allow an artist come together and learn how to doodle for the first time. And they get self-confidence. They get self-esteem. Yes, I truly believe that maybe not everybody can be Bill Gates. In fact, none of us can be. You can be the best Red. You can be the best Deb. And what Deb does is help people declutter enough so that they can go and have more freedom and more possibility. And that's what I absolutely love about what Deb's sharing, too, is that inner confidence. The declutter often gets people stuck in their mess as opposed to, free to explore and to express. And that's what I absolutely love about finding your flow, being a student of flow. And music does that, art does that. What we're talking about does that. Communication does that. Thank you, Dave. Such So many good messages in there. Deb, what's your thought? Are we born with a creative DNA? Does everybody have that option? Or is it something you have to study and learn? What's your thought? I think it's a, it's all to scale. I feel like everyone has a little bit of creativity, at least within them. And then it depends on how you foster that. And we have a responsibility to cultivate that. I think just by saying, um, well, I'm not very creative or I'm not a creative person, it's kind of a cop-out. And one of the things that even being in quarantine might have taught me is that we have to look within ourselves. We have to um, cultivate that. And even being with my children, them wanting to do art projects, I was thinking, I don't really do. I'm not crafty. I'm not a Pinterest mom by any stretch. And you know what? I, I, found that it was very therapeutic for me, almost meditative to just force myself to really shift 
and disrupt that notion of myself that I have as not so much of an artist in that way. And it's it's been a great relationship builder for me and my kids and bonding, I should say, um, with them. And I, I feel like you have to look and redefine how you look at creativity. You know, I might not have described myself as a creative person, but the things that I do, I teach at a university in Boston. And with my lectures, I have to be creative to engage the students and come up with new things for each class. Or when I give a workshop, I have to perform in a way. So trying to make an engaging performance so that people remember. It's not about, oh, making myself look good. It's about creating a message that is going to stick with them in a memorable way. And that's what it's all about. So there's many ways to define creativity. And if you think you're not creative, maybe just change your definition of creative. Thank you. I, I have a quick story to share. Two stories, actually. Um, Dave, when I started drumming, I started realizing there were open mic nights, which are just coming back here, but I haven't gone yet. Even to the outdoor ones, it's too too crazy with the pandemic, and I'm I'm technically an at risk population, so I got to be careful. And you understand that we don't have to say numbers here. Uh, and I was going, and somebody signed me up one night. I brought my drumsticks, and I'd only been playing for I don't know. I'd been playing for like two months. I just started drumming a year and a half ago, and somebody signed me up, and. Uh, and I, all of a sudden they said my real name and I went up, I have red sticks and, and I had a couple songs prepared. Mustang Sally became my theme song. And I think I did the Thrillist Gone by B.B. King and Keep Your Hands to Yourself by Georgia Satellite Line, whatever, whatever it is, or something like that. I miss you by the stones. And here are these fabulous musicians and they accepted me. They accepted me as the chick drummer who wanted to play with them. And I started, I was scared, you know what, Liz, my hands were shaking. I'm all dressed up. I wear red suede boots, little booties, and I have a black dress. I'm always dressed when I go out. I don't just go in jeans and a torn shirt. That's not, you know, that's not my persona. Makeup, jewelry, and I'm sweating. It's 110 degrees, this little stage, and I'm playing, and they're playing with me, and they kept going. They didn't stop the song after two or three minutes of the what the record would be. And they said, what else you got? And I told them a second song and they, we know that. And they play. And the third song, I was shaken to the core because all of a sudden I was able to create music, Dave, with people who accepted me, who wanted to play with me. They gave me a chance. Open mic is open mic. You don't, you don't say, no, we don't like your playing. You, you tolerate it. And they accepted me. And I grew as a drummer, as a person. And I, I redefined music as collaborative love that night. It changed, Dave, it was a mind shift for me. I have to, I'm not making this up because it has to do with, with your sign on your, your logo there, continue. It shifted some, and I came back to my community here and a couple months later, I started my own open mic night and I contacted musicians. I was already in a 12 piece rock and roll band here. I'm the MC and the, the chick drummer. We have another a guy who, who uh, is on electric drums and I'm the acoustic drummer. And I said to people, how about you all come together on a Friday night and I'll, I'll reserve the big meeting room where the, it's an exercise room, mirrors and big windows and lots of space and send me the music you want, three songs, sign up in advance, three songs. I'll distribute the music PDFs to everybody and we'll come together. And I brought my whole drum kit, took a friend with a big truck to bring everything. And we set up a sound system and it started to get really, really popular. Sometimes we had a drop in audience of five people who danced and I said, you can dance, clap, tap, snap, sing along, whatever you want to do. Only use your phone for lyrics, not for phone calls, be respectful to musicians. And I said, if you tap, snap and clap off key, we might be singing and playing off key. And that's all fair. I tell the audience that 
it became so popular. People came up to me afterwards. I ended up with sometimes 12, 15 musicians. We could cover 24 songs in two hours. I had the list. Everybody got one turn. We went down the list. Everybody had a second turn, third turn, 7 to 9 p.m. And people came up to me and said it was the most fun they'd had since they moved here. And some of them couldn't sing on key. And some of them couldn't play on key. I didn't care. Bravo. It was Bravo. just... And that's what I miss about about Bravo. COVID. That's what. And the other story I wanted to tell you, Deb, was that uh, when my father passed, we, my mother in, in the big house before she sold and moved to a, a beautiful uh, apartment, a co-op, uh, she found a ukulele, a good, good, good ukulele my dad had had 20, 30, 40 years before. And I was selling on eBay. And I researched the ukulele and I put it on eBay and I asked a certain decent price for it. And... Um, People were messaging me on eBay and they were saying, they're looking at the pictures. They said, there's a crack in it. We can see the air. We can see the light through it. You can't ask for what you're asking for because it's it's broken. And a guy named Yuke Jackson in Hawaii contacted me and he said, you have got a gorgeous ukulele there. Don't lower the price. Just keep trying to find a buyer. Well, there was a man who lived in the God knows where the backwoods of Scandinavia, of, of uh, I don't know, of, of Sweden. And his name was Yuri or Ogi or something. And he contacted me and he said, I only come in from the woods twice a month, but I saw your ukulele on eBay and I want to buy it from you. It was a CF Martin. It was a good, really good one in the case, the cloth bag. So he said, be patient with me. Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, four weeks went by. And finally he emailed me, he said, I'm sending you money through PayPal. And he bought it. I put it in a box that was four feet tall by three feet wide. I packed it with bubble wrap and with mushy stuff and worms and everything, whatever. That's packing material in case anybody's wondering, not live worms. <laughs> no, we're not a fishing show. And I sent it to him. And a couple of weeks later, I got a note on eBay message and it said, your dad CF Martin still plays beautiful music. Thank you for selling it to me. Oh, isn't that a beautiful story and a beautiful I, tribute to your dad? I had to share that with both of you. That was, that's what it opened up and not just decluttering Deb, but sharing things that are beloved that you don't see the value or you did in an emotional level. I cried. I cried when I got his note. Dave, talk to me. I see you nodding. Go ahead, each, Dave. Each of those tears, that's what's beautiful. Your story is so authentic. It's genuine. It's its what I, I love to refer to. That's the the, the raindrops into the, he, the oceans of healing. It's honoring your father. We're not talking anything negative. We're talking passing on a, a beautiful memory, yet also knowing that somebody's playing it. And when that person's playing it, guess what? The energy of your father is there. And if the tear drips or the goose pump bimples jump on their shoulders, that's the life force that an entrepreneur, that somebody is there to be able to share memories, visions. This is what I absolutely love about business and I love about entrepreneurship is that in many ways, we are the change makers. We're the ones who who takes something that everyone's sort of thrown away and we find a way to utilize it, to, to re-engineer it. And that's one of the things that Deb does just, I imagine just so wonderfully. People do an exchange with her and they're uplifted because of her authenticity and her, her care. And this is compassionate leadership that I love to share. And it's that's what, again, I, I just can visualize Deb just doing such wonderful business with people because people leave uplifted. Ed, 
Red, that's what you do every week when you're on this show because that's the authenticity. That's the the big red coming through. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's very, very kind of you. I appreciate that. Dave, I want to go to a part of your book, and this is going to resonate with Deb, I know. You say, uh, and and what's the name of your co-author, uh, Dave? It's Mike? Mike Hancock. Mike Hancock. And you say, Dave and Mike have used and taught a formula for years. It's a simple tool to test, listen to this, Dad, to test the validity of any idea you have. If you don't score a six out of six, dismiss the idea. There's a better one coming. See, there's the hope. There's the optimism. There's the, we'll think of something. Maybe you'll wake up with that idea in the middle of the night. Let me just read the six quickly, Dave. And why don't you pick two or three to explain? I'm looking at the clock and we we still have about uh, ooh, 20 minutes. So one is, does it fit your passion and purpose? Number two is, can you add value? Number three is, can you leverage it? That's a business term. Number four, if it fails, will you still be liquid enough to go forward? Deb is reading, is thinking about these, I can see. Is there a specific motivation this idea gives you? And is there a return on investment that you find inspiring? Dave, can you pick two of those? I'm going to pick the one that's probably the most important. It's yep. uh, fail fast, fail frequently, and fail forward. In my first book, it was actually called Failure Proofing. And mm. so this allows you to do things. And it's not a failure if you don't get the result you expected. We talk in school. In fact, I'm, I'm part of a school in Malaysia called Dwi Imas. And it's the first school for kids for entrepreneurship. And where people are taught practice makes perfect, we say, no, 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 Practice makes progress. And so this infuses nicely with failure is such an important part of developing a skill. And so you can call it a failure and never want to do it, yet the best tennis players hit a million tennis balls out and a million tennis balls into the net. And so when you're doing your yard sale, Dad, like you might have the first price. Yet guess what? Changing the price doesn't mean you've failed. It means that you've adjusted and you've you've made pivots. And that's just so important in being nice to oneself. So that idea is that failure is the art of falling forward. And practice makes progress would be two ideas here that I'd really invite our listeners to play with because in life it is about playing a game if you like to play games and i'm talking about at the highest levels talk about our sports our athletes they're mm -hmm. practicing all the time that's why they actually develop such good skills whereas if you're taught through the school system we're all supposed to get a hundred percent and if you don't <laughs> some parents think you failed if you got 95 no be nice be kind nurture yourself and that's again when i think of of Deb, the way that she nurtures people that do trades with her as a teacher. I'm so thrilled to hear that you're teaching this at school because that curiosity you're bringing allows people to have the self-esteem and confidence to go out there and have some failures of falling down and getting back up. So congrats and thank you. I love that. Fail fast, fail off and fall forward. Fail. Deb, talk talk back to Dave. He's got some interesting things to say. Go ahead, please. I, I love that you mentioned confidence and confidence is regard in regards to failure, because one of the things that I was thinking when Red was telling the story about how she posted the ukulele and there were some flaws and people were um, the chorus, the peanut gallery, if you will, were trying to say, you know, you shouldn't sell it for that. Don't sell it. And, and Red stayed true to herself 
she knew that there was an audience there. And I think that's really important for you to believe in your own message and to not let people distract you from that. And yes, you want to take into account market value and, um, you know, good feedback from knowledgeable salespeople, but there's a lot of chatter out there and people can be so easily derailed by that. And I love what Dave was saying about just keeping that confidence. You knew you didn't have to sell that ukulele, um, to pay rent, you wanted it to go to a new home. You wanted to rehome it. And that's what I, that's how I look at my things. I say in my book that my basement, it wasn't like a junk pile. I feel like when I registered for things for my wedding registry, we ended up with a basement that looked like a Williams-Sonoma warehouse. I mean, I had nice stuff and I really wanted to give it to somebody who would appreciate it and be able to use it and give it a new life. And that's what it's all about. And it's another thing that the day was talking about was just the energy. And I'm a big believer in energy and my things I feel like have good energy. And I love paying that forward to people. I think that the instrument that you sold, the energy of your dad lives on. And that is so important and intent and energy. Um, and, and another way to look at it too, when I declutter, I just did a huge decluttering over the past couple of weeks. I've been posting it online. To, so people can keep me honest um, and they see that I'm selling like crazy in the local groups and giving and free cycling. And I'll tell you what, I have noticed a tangible difference with my creativity, getting rid of the, the staleness of quarantine, things that have been just sitting, that inertia, and I'm getting rid of it and shaking up the energy of my house, changing away, changing the way the furniture is arranged because I have less stuff in here still. And it's, it's brought me new ideas, new business, new interviews, new opportunities, happiness. So it, it is, there's this energy that kind of stays with your things and it's important to shake that up and to recognize it and respect it. Thank you both. Such interesting ideas, such great ideas from both of you. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's another story. I'm, oh, Deb, I used to have so many things that I sold, small things. I'd go to the post office, find, they, they were notorious for giving tickets if you parked at the wrong. It was like Mondays from seven to nine, you couldn't park in front of the post office, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you could park across the street from 7.30 to 9.30. So it was always a playing catch with what sign says what and what, what cop is around. It if he's, anyway, I used to walk into the post office with my arms outstretched with a pile of boxes, with bags of boxes. And there was a guy at the Great Neck Main Post Office named Marty. And he would say, oh, she's back. And he'd say, okay, let me help weigh these for you. You know, they paid the postage, the buyer paid the postage, but let me, let me, and I tell him how much I could allocate for postage on anything. It, it was all weighed and, and measured and it was fine. And he told me that uh, his wife was selling their children's used clothes on eBay also. So he said, oh, I know all about packing. He said, I'll help you. I'll give you some advice on packing and shipping and how to label them and, and what, what uh, level to, to ship them at. And it was, it was a sense of community. That's what I want to tell you. It was this, I bonded with the guy at the post office. I met people around the world. When I was, oh, here's what I want to tell you. When I had my classes, they were 7 to 10 p.m. I think I taught a three-hour class. And uh, it was a one-off. So I didn't want people coming back week after week. It was like, you're going to learn about eBay and I'm going to teach you. Well, I had doctors, lawyers, teachers. It was late at night for some people, 7 o'clock. They slept home from work. They had dinner. Maybe they didn't. And they were kind of dozing off. So I used to make up a game in my class and I'd say, 
Okay, let's talk about that wonderful handbag or that wonderful briefcase, very high end, uh, or a pair of Manolo heels or, or Louis Vuitton piece of luggage. And I said, okay, Bob, and Bob was dozing off in the back, not because I was boring, but he, I was exhausted. I said, Bob, you want to buy that? And Bob all of a sudden, I said, Bob, you're going to try and buy that Louis Vuitton briefcase for your wife who just started a new executive job. And it's a beautiful briefcase. And I said, and Deb in the front row is going to sell it, but she's not sure she's got a secret price on it. She's got a hidden price and you want to bid. And then there's, there's Bob in the front row and Bob wants to get it for his son. And he's going to start a bidding war with you. And I brought everybody into, I made this stuff up on the fly. I brought everybody into the story. So nobody could sleep in class because because I was using them in the stories. And I said, okay, you're going to have your finger on the button of hitting the sand and you're going to upbid this, but no, you've got, and you're going to put in a bid that's twice what anybody else is and, and eBay, the clock's running and, and Mark is going to win. And I had them all in this fictitious bidding war and they just loved it. Nobody could go to sleep in my class because they were part of the story. And I will tell you, Deb, I loved teaching. I really, really, really loved teaching. It was fun. I taught several other things there, but it wasn't a lot of money, but it was something to do to use my skills. I was, let me say it this way, my eBay skills, I was rehoming them and saying I wasn't going to write a book, but I was bringing them to an adult ed setting where it's a computer lab with six computers and everybody could log in and we did samples and I just felt so good sharing that. I was so high. Dave, you're smiling. Dave, when you you teach, you lecture around the world, you get that sense of, of wow, I shared something. Dave, what do you think? You're absolutely, when you talk about the storyteller and then inviting everyone to be part of the story so that it connects, that gives me goosebumps just saying <laughs> that because that's the essence that right now a lot of people are finding very difficult because they're not getting involved in other people's stories so much with the shutdown, with the, the, the basically lockdown in some countries, they're really missing to be involved in other people's stories. And, and that's really harsh. Yet what you've just done for some people is, is create a story that allows them to feel engaged and connected and a little bit nervous. And that's got the life force flowing. And when you get the life force flowing, that's when everyone gets awakened and awoke. And so it's really beautiful to nurture the storyteller and that's again what the creative does is that they often tell their little story and so when you asked earlier does everyone have it pretty much every little kid i've ever seen they're always telling stories they've got their imaginary friends they they're making like happiness go and they're they're even using the the good the bad the 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 light the dark it's it's a story that is ingrained in our human experience and by doing that with People who are sleepy, that's a really great way to keep them awake, Red. <laughs> I had to do something. Deb, I have a question for you. How do your kids react when you said, we're all going to contribute something to this online yard sale? Did they say, no, mommy, my toys, my toys? I know the answer is in your book, but what did what did they say? Were they ready to contribute or were they, no, this is mine. You can't have it, mom. What, what did they say? You know what? I underestimated them. I wanted in the beginning when they were really small and very, really just too little to even know any better. Yeah, I did sell some of their things maybe that they I knew that they weren't playing with. 
But as I went along in this journey, I realized the importance of involving the kids, because if this is going to be a a change that sticks, I can't just do it behind their backs. And that's mean, (laughs) but I really want to involve them in the process and teach them that we shouldn't be so attached to our things. We should be able to give them to the next person, you know, when they outgrow something or just don't need it anymore. And to be able to say goodbye to their things. And and I, I think that's been a good lesson for them to learn. And also, I've, I've had things too that I've asked my daughter, who's now five, hey, do you want to sell this? Or should I give this to a, a baby in our circle that is younger than her? And she'll say, I'm not ready to say goodbye to it yet. And I respect that. And I try again in six months. I feel the same way. I have two items that are in my garage that I've been hanging on to, and I'm only just now ready to say goodbye to them. So it's very important to involve the kids in the process, the other people in your house, and to make that a, a lasting change and a lifestyle change. And it's it's just so it's so refreshing when everybody kind of gets that synergy and works together for the same effort. And we all know we need synergy and we need effort and we need, we're all just coping right now as the world struggles and, and falters and takes steps and missteps to come back out of, yeah, seven minutes to close. Thank you, Josh. Uh, missteps to come out of the shutdown wherever you are. And, and I will end with, I hope everybody's safe message. But Dave, I have a favor to ask you. There's a wonderful case study in your book about a gentleman who was down and out and he liked to go to meetings in ripped jeans and old t-shirts and uh, people told him, who do you think you are? So he took 50 bucks from his brother and he started to make t-shirts with the with the handle, the, the, the online handle for Twitter or, or the hashtag, not a hashtag, but a handle at, and what's the word, Dave? And could you please briefly tell that story? Because it's very, I want everybody to appreciate it. Go ahead. Well, actually, Deb, also what you were just saying, you're, you're actually nurturing the next round of green printers, people who do look at recycling, people who look at value. And you're talking about the story of one of Australia's top entrepreneurs. Yes. And again, he was going to church and, and people uh, would criticize him and that, yet he had a heart and he had a heart that uh, would really impact almost anyone that you would meet. His name is Justin Harold, and he, uh, he's actually the, fa- the son of a preacher. And so he would, uh, he would look at ways to, to make a difference wherever he would go. And he had an attitude. In fact, the lady called him a bad attitude. And so what he did with his friends is he got some t-shirts made up, bad attitude. And so he created a whole brand around attitude. In fact, licensed it, went and worked and worked and worked, yet had fun with it. And it was all about attitude. And so when we did tours, because we did tours and we would be sharing his story, which was one of the funniest things if you ever want to watch. I believe he is on YouTube. You can check him out, Justin Harold. Australia's Entrepreneur Year Award winner. And so that attitude was part of his brand. And even when we talked off stage, he definitely had the attitude of gratitude. And so when we talked that if there was a shift going on right now, perhaps that shift is no matter what's going on in your life, can you find that attitude of gratitude? And so that is, that is an invitation to no matter what's going on the external, come back inside and nurture that attitude of gratitude. Thank I you. find that that is perhaps the shift that will get you out of the pit 
and will give you that superpower. And I think that superpower that Deb has is about caring enough for things and people to bring them together so there's a lot more value. Very well put. Thank you very much, Dave. We have just a couple minutes left and I want to start wrapping up. So um, I hate when comedy, I used to do stand-up comedy, by the way, and I had my own <laughs> group called Bonnie G and Du Bois, D-A-B-O-Y-Z. And we didn't go to clubs in New York. We went to Borders bookstores and public libraries and uh, it was just a blast. And they would pay a little bit of cash to me and, and my partner who set up the shows and they give us gift certificates. So I would hand gift certificates to all of my comedians at the end when we were done and they'd go shopping around borders. They'd buy CDs or records or books or magazines. And they felt so appreciated that we were able to pay them anyway. It, it, it was a blast. So quickly, uh, Deb, let's start with you. Thank you so much for, for joining me, Deb. I really appreciate your, your generosity and your gracious spirit and uh, how lovely you are. And I really appreciate the insights in your book. It's very well done. You did a really nice job. And her book is 100 pages and you can read it in one day and it's perfect and carry it with you in your bag when you go to online yard sales and garage sales and read all the tips because they're important. Uh, Deb, what's next for you? Why don't you take 60 seconds? What's coming up? What's next for Deb Colometta? Just expanding the brand and trying to expand this idea of appreciating what you've got and not always having to chase the next thing. And that's not that I'm trying to be some kind of dream squisher. I want people to think big and to be visualizing themselves in their next phase. But we have to stop and catch our breath sometimes. And I think that this is a great opportunity to do that. And I find that more abundance flows into my life, the more I stop and think about what I already have and show gratitude for it. So that's why I think it's so important what Dave was saying about gratitude. You have to have that as an active way of life. So what's next for me is, is just doing more podcasting, upcycling with Deb, maybe another book. My audio book is coming out of best offer best life so that people can listen to that while they're decluttering their house and continuing to teach and, and trying to, to spread this message to the university students and also to my workshop folks. Thank you, Deb. Dave, I've got about ooh, 45 seconds for you. Veet, veet, fast, fast. What's <laughs> get, next? Get 2020 Vision is a new book that I've just done. If you want to check it out at get2020vision.net, it really is about bringing compassion, patience, and curiosity in dealing with seniors and dealing with other human beings. That's something that's been dear to my heart as I've got back to Canada. Thank you very much. I am so privileged to have had both of you on the show. I love the interaction. Uh, I love the fact that you were willing and able to talk to each other and with each other and about each other, never having met. That's the beauty of a show where we just have a conversation. That's what I do. I'm AKA Radio Red. I just want to say thank you to Josh, our engineer at Voice America Variety. Thank you to Bruce Atrich for the wonderful introduction to Dave Rogers. I'd like you to come back on the show later in the year. Deb, you come back too as well. And we'll talk more about your adventures and what you're doing. And um, I will tell you tonight, I, I started painting about six months ago. I bought a, a bunch of canvases and a paint kit, and I had no idea what to do with them. And I started making abstracts. I'm up to 16 by 20s now, and I sometimes do three full paintings in a weekend. I can do one in a night. And it's just keeping me sane during COVID when I can't go out and play drums at open mic nights. And so painting has become my new creative outlet. I have more than 50 paintings in my home and I'm running out of wall space. So there you go. Yes, that's passion. I don't know how creative I am, but people tell me they're good. 
Dave Rogers, namaste. That's the kind of vacation we're taking. Namaste home this time. And Deb Colometta, thank you. Give my regards to your, your kids. Tell them they have a wanted Mrs. Brown. You have a lovely daughter. And thank you to everybody. And let's all wave goodbye thank you. and say, let's have everybody be safe, be smart, be savvy, wear the damn mask. Don't worry about what it says about you. Just be safe. Don't get it from other people and don't give it to other people. And let's just wish the world be safe, be smart, make the right decisions. Don't take risks. We know it's real, and we want everybody back here for the next show next Monday night. Radio Red signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.